Good morning. Glad you're here. Glad I'm here. <laughs> you may not be glad, but I am. I am glad that I can uh, make it here and uh, hoping and praying that things will heal up right. I see my friend over here. Jeff had Achilles surgery and he had complications, so he had to have re, uh, some things redone. So, Jeff, I'll be praying for you and you pray for me and if you all pray for both of us, we would much appreciate it, but we're so glad to see you today. I see a number of you that I haven't seen for a few weeks, and that's always a blessing, and uh, we have so many. Man, I've had so many people text me today and tell me that they are watching online because they're on vacation, and thank God for online uh, live stream, and we're so glad that all of you that uh, told me that you're watching are watching. I'm sure that you are. And so that's a blessing. I want to congratulate um, uh, Pastor Tim and Tiffany. 16 years now, believe it or not, that they've been here. Now, they've been an extension of us for, I think, uh, five years with Graceway. But uh, when you see them in the halls, you let them know that you appreciate their service and their work. It's always a, a real blessing to have staff. And uh, I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again that... Uh, it is said that the statistic says that 10% of uh, people, 10% of people that start out in ministry finish in ministry. And uh, I think that there are reasons for that that you probably can figure out. And so they appreciate, staff always appreciate when you appreciate them. And so it's an encouragement to them. So I hope you'll be an encouragement today. Uh, Jack Kurgis, his brother passed away. I just found that out before I came up here, so be praying for Jack as well. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 27 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 27. As you go into, how many of you are yet to have your vacation? All right. All right, I hope that you have a good vacation when you take it, but I hope and want to challenge all of us as attenders and members of First Baptist to be faithful through the summer months when we are not on vacation. And uh, it has been a challenge for every church in America since uh, COVID hit uh, that people return back to church. We at First Baptist are um, a little over 80% of people back in uh, church, and that is ad, ab, above average, and yet uh, I want to see the other 20% come back. We have a lot of new people here as well. Can I just challenge you like I used to when we are, used to be uh, much smaller? Please greet people and know people and get to know people that are around you, people that sit around you, people in the hallways that you don't know, and uh, let's just be a, we may be a, a larger church, but let's be a larger church with a small, friendly atmosphere, and I think that everybody will be better for that. Everybody has needs, and everybody needs to be greeted, and so I encourage you to do that if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 27, David is one of the most interesting studies, character studies in all of the Word of God. His life is not a consistent life of victory. If you're a new Christian, you would think, wait a minute, David, isn't that the guy that they said was a man after God's own heart? You're right. He's the only guy that really, God's Word says, was a man after God's own heart. And I would think that if it were me, I would think that a guy, a man after God's own heart, that his life would kind of be spiritually more like this. 
but it was not. It was much more a life like this. Why did God call him a man after God's own heart? Because he always returned back to God. He always found a way to go back to trusting and leaning on God. You remember how his life started out as a young teenager. He was anointed to be the next king of Israel, and it was a shock to everybody, certainly to his family. Samuel had come on the scene, said, line all your sons up, and they all lined up, and God didn't share with Samuel that any of them were the one. Samuel said to Jesse, the father, is these all your sons? Well, no, we got one left, but he's in the shepherd, he's in the sheepfold. He's back there tending the sheep. Go get him. Comes on among the brethren. He's the one to be the next king of Israel. Soon after that, he came on to deliver a lunch. He's the kid brother coming on to deliver the lunch, the errand boy. And he hears a big old giant down there blaspheming God and all of the soldiers of Israel quaking in their boots, Saul as well. Why won't anybody go down to fight him, David said. Just get on home, man. Give us the lunch and get home. David said, I'll go down and fight him. You know the story. Went down and fought the giant Goliath killed him, cut off his head. And man, he became popular right away. Famous, well-known in Israel. Everybody started singing. Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his ten thousands. That song wasn't very popular with Saul. So Saul, in his jealousy, began to find a way to kill David. By the way, can I just say, jealousy will destroy you from the inside out. If you want to study a life of that and an example, study the life of Saul. David ends up on the run. He ends up on the run for 15 years. You got it, 15 years, Bible scholars tell us. He is on the run from Saul. Oh, those years were training years. Those years were growing years. Those years were maturing years. Those years, 15 years, there were some years of victory, but there were some years of defeat or times of defeat. There, there were some times of, of great, amazing faith. And man, we would say, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like David. And then there were times in his life we say, well, wait a minute, hold on. He doesn't seem to have much faith here or any faith. Trials filled the life of David. Filled the life of David during those years of waiting. My friend, I want to tell you that trials are bad enough, but when they go on and on and on and on, trials can lead even a man like David to a place of disparity. Today we see one of those times where David had very little faith, if any faith at all. 
A time that David certainly didn't fit the definition of David. He certainly didn't fit the definition of a man after God's own heart. A time that David did not appear to be that giant of the faith. For David, there was a decision to make, and David made the wrong one. And the result of David making the wrong decision at this time in his life, when he's on the run from Saul, before he ever becomes king, this result of his life now is one of misery, of compromise, and 16 long, long months of disobedience. Read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the... And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore in any coast of Israel... So I'm going to escape out of his hand. This was a man, a young man, waiting for God to fulfill his promise to be the next king. This was a man who is now a young man, very weary. He's just tired. He's tired of life. He's discouraged. He he may not have said it out loud. He may not have said it to other people he I don't know maybe he didn't even say it to God but verse 1 says that he said in his heart something crazy it's an indication that he's just tired of trusting God it's an indication that he's just forgot God's past deliverances and he's forgotten God's past victories in his life He's just worn out. He's just tired. He's just discouraged and down. And David's discouragement and despair, it seems in this passage, were almost stronger than the enemy of Saul. So let's notice it today. I want to encourage you, no matter what age, no matter what, uh, how faithful you are or not, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, to stay with me, and I just want to walk through this period of time in his life and see if God will maybe speak to your heart. In fact, will you pray with me right now? Ask God right now to speak into your life today. Lord, I pray that you might just help me to have the energy and the strength. God, I pray that you might quiet this place. And Lord, I pray that you might open hearts to receive what you want to give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to notice the cause of of David's darkness. What was it that caused him to be in this condition? What was it that caused him to, to come to a place where we would never expect David to be? And, and I think as you uh, listen with me, there are some, some reasons that it, we certainly would understand of why he feels this way. 
there were certain problems that were very woeful for him. Here's what I mean. Think about it. Put yourself in his spot. David is hated by Saul. Saul's the most powerful man in the land. He's hated by him. Saul's attacks were numerous, constant, consistently. David's running from this cliff to this cave to this uh, place to that place to this valley to this mountaintop, always on the run because he knows Saul's trying to kill him. Saul's attacks, Bible scholars tell us, there were over 20 different times that Saul tried to kill him. There were some people who were betraying him. And the pressure was absolutely nonstop in his life, just constant. He had 600 men, we'll find this in a few moments, but he had 600 men plus their wives and kids that he was responsible for while he's on the run. I mean, David's got a lot of problems. They were great. Constant pressure. His problems were woeful, man. But all of a sudden, something happened. His perspective became very wrong. He said in verse 1, I'm going to perish one day by the hand of Saul. I'm going I'm to die. He's going to finally, one, maybe the 21st time, he's gonna, he's, it's going to happen. I'm going to be de- a dead man. Now let's remember, David's problems were great, but time out. Weren't his blessings great as well? For example, he had the promise of royalty. God had promised that he would have the future throne. In fact, there were times where other people came on the scene and they even reiterated what the uh, promise of God had said. For example, Jonathan, Saul's son, said, you're going to be the next king. Abigail, she'd said, we know you're going to be the next king. Even Saul. Remember that? Even Saul had said, you'll be the next king. Not only did he have, uh, you know, those promises, but there was protection. He'd been protected time and time and time and time and time again. And David had been protected from Saul's attacks repeatedly. He had 600 men that said, we're with you. We are loyal to you. We'll do anything for you. We'll die for you. Our hearts are yours. They're in your hands. Our lives are in your hands. 600 men had given David their complete loyalty. God had provided for them day in and day out. Not only 600 men, but their families. And every single day, God had provided for a great big host of people. So how in the world does David forget all of God's benefits? How does David get to a place where he says, I am going to perish, I'm going to die, I'm never going to rule Israel, never? How does he get to that place? Let me ask you a question. How does this change of heart happen in a life? How does it happen in your life? How is it there are times in my life where I'm about as guilty as David? How does that happen? I'll tell you how. Because we get our eyes on ourselves and on our circumstances, and we get our eyes off of God. You remember when David fought Goliath early on on the characteristics in the, in the life of David? You remember what he said? He said, I'll go down and fight this giant 
They said, but you're a kid. You can't do that. Do you remember what he said? Well, hold on. Time out. The battle is the Lord's. And he went down and he fought Goliath. But he's lost focus. He's lost perspective. And also his patience was worn. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, this is not a, a time of, uh, of a few weeks of trials or a few months of trials, but these trials went on and on and on. And David says in verse 1, I shall now perish one day at the hand of Saul. He said, there's nothing better for me. Now, here we go. Are you all with me still? There's nothing better for me than that I should right now speedily escape into the land. Where are you going, David? Where are you going to escape to, David? Where are you going to run to? The land of the Philistines. The land of the Philistines. How can he say that? How can he do that? He is at a position right now where he says in his heart, times are so stinking tough, God's deserted me. He's saying in his heart, I thought I was going to be the next king, but I'll never be king. I'm going to die at the hand of Saul. He's finally going to catch up with me. I have to escape and get away from the land of Israel. I know what I'll do. I'll go down to the Philistines. Hey, humanly speaking, Saul's not going to look for him down there. He's not going down to the Philistines because they're the enemy of God's people. The enemy of God's people. You know what that's a picture of? A Christian who deliberately opts for carnality. Who says, man, I can't do it. I'm going for carnality. Psychologist Rollo May said these words. He said, man is the only animal that runs faster when he's lost his way. Runs faster when he's lost his way. You know, it's amazing how slow people grow in the Lord, but how fast they can then run from the Lord. Fast. So we see the cause of David's darkness, and, th and there's some reasons for it. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I can put myself in his spot and say, I can see how that could happen. But a lot of, let's notice this morning also the consequences of David's decisions. When David left his wilderness home in Israel... And when David decides now to retreat down to the land of the Philistines, he did not go alone. You with me? Everybody? Everywhere? You with me? He did not go alone. He's the commander-in-chief of the guerrilla troops, you know? He's trained those men in the cave of Adullam. Hey, you remember what they were like? These guys were a bunch of misfits. They, they were. They were misfits. Uh, they, they were a bunch of guys who were either depressed, in debt. I mean, they were just outcast. 
And they came along, David. Why not? David, man, you're on the run. And David gathered them together. And he trained them. And, and, and he taught them. And they became so loyal to David. I mean, these were guys that now that they're trained, you'd want on your team. And he's bonded with these men. He's bonded with them, and they've bonded with him. They've now lived together. They have done battle together. They have been on the run together. But I want you to remember something. It's not only his men who go with him, but these men's families go too. Their wives, their kids. Remember, David had two wives that went with him too, Abigail and Ahinoam. That's a whole other subject for another time. But he had two wives who went with him too. Hey, can I ask you a question? Do you by chance think that you can compromise and in not affect other people? Fair question, isn't it, for all of us? Do any of us think that we can go ahead and take a detour or go ahead and compromise and go ahead into the carnal corral and it not affect our families? When you and I make wrong decisions... I want to tell you, it affects those who trust us, those who depend on us, those who look up to us, those who believe in us. It affects them. Always has, always will. They may be innocent people. Maybe they're not involved, and yet they're innocent, but they become contaminated by our wrong decisions and our wrong choices. Now, where did David go? Let's... Make sure we all get this, okay? Where did David go? He went to Gath. Very clear. Went to Gath. Now, that may not mean much to you, but do you remember Gath? You remember the giant? You remember his name? Goliath of Gath. That's where he's from. Why? Because he was the mighty, mighty man of the Philistines. A few years earlier, David saw that big lug in the valley of Elah. But now he runs down to the same place he's from, the enemy territory, the very home that Goliath was from. Now I want to tell you that there's some consequences to David's decision. And I want you to pay close attention because this is intriguing to me. The first consequence of David's decision is that there were some dividends. There were some dividends. Can I tell you, be assured that disobedience almost always has its rewards to give you in order to encourage you to continue to disobey. Let me show you. The proof of that. Notice in verse 4, there's some real senseless comfort. Verse 4, And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath. Saul got word. Saul knew everything because he was there trying to kill him. 
And he got word that he fled to Gath, and he sought no more again for him. Hey, you know what? It worked. Success. Saul has now stopped hunting him down, and the pressure is gone, and David is singing, oh, what a relief it is. You see, the Christian battle, there is no intermission. There is no halftime. Satan takes no vacation. The battle is constantly, consistently raging. If you are walking with God, Satan has your number. He knows your name, and there's a target on your back. I remember when I was a youth pastor, a kid in my youth group, he was a, a sharp kid, a great athlete, any sport he any, any and every sport he, he, he played, he was the best. And uh, he had surrendered his life to Christ, and he meant it, and he was serving. And all of a sudden, I saw a change in his life. He started giving into the flesh, started yielding to the temptations of the world. I talked with him. Loved the kid. And I never forget what he said. He said, Pastor Brent, he said, now that I'm not serving the Lord right now, I just don't have the pressure I used to have. That's the dividends of senseless comfort. But notice verse 5, we see some shameful, a shameful cause. David said unto Achish, now wait a minute, where's Achish? He's down, he's king of the Philistines. Wait a minute, in case you're a new Christian or you don't know your Bible very well, the Philistines were the enemies of God's people, the Israelites, where David would be the next king. You get it, don't you? Now he's down in uh, Gath. He's, David and his men are down in the southern part, down with the Philistines, and Achish is the king of the Philistines. And, and David now, he's down there, and he says to Achish, if I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country. I don't need to dwell with you as your servant and dwell in your royal city. No, y'all, y'all getting what's happening here? Y'all still with me? David is now submitting to the adversary's cause, the enemy's cause. You see, when we give in to carnality rather than spirituality, we begin to serve the enemy's cause. Kind of like Samson, you heard about last week. I did watch live stream with my leg up and you heard about Samson last week Samson began to produce fruit for the enemy David actually calls himself the servant of Achish 
Right there in that verse. The servant of Achish. Notice verse 6, as we continue on, we see some subtle compromise here. And then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. All right? He gives him a place. David says, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't dwell in your royal city. Just give me and all my men and our families a place over here on the outskirts, in the suburbs. And so Achish says, okay, you can have, you can have Ziklag. Wherefore, Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines, write this down, underline it in your Bible, was a full year and four months. (laughs) That's a pretty long time. And David and his men went up, and they invaded the Gezerites and the Gezrites and the Amalekites, for those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to shore, even unto the land of Egypt. And David smote the land, and left neither man nor woman alive, and took away the sheep, and the oxen, and their asses, and the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Man, I have a problem with that. I mean, I, I, mean, I, got, I got a real problem with that. David's down here, and he's going into cities on behalf of the Philistines, and he's taking over the cities and killing the men, the women, and everybody in it. You say, well, that's war, man. Don't you know? Yeah, but it's a senseless war because he has no business down there fighting for the Philistines. No business at all. Subtle compromise, you know how it goes. It's so easy to say to ourselves, it, 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 it won't hurt. Just a day or two. Just a miss, uh, just kind of a lapse in my spirituality. A little bit of lapse here and a little bit of lapse. I'm on vacation. I'll live a little differently while I'm on vacation. It's not that big a deal. I'll watch this stuff and that stuff. Let me ask you a question. Would you allow people to come into your home and just use every four-letter word and just continue to lace it down and use it? Would you let people come into your house and would you let them in front of your kids do things that you allow them to watch on TV and sit there and watch it with them? Of course, I'm not going to let people come in, but we do through a screen. Just a little bit. It's not that big a deal. It won't hurt me that much what's a couple weeks couple months couple R-rated what's a little bit of carnality hey it's pretty easy isn't it that's probably what Lot said David ends up staying in Gath, not for a short time, but for 16 months. This is the man who was known as the sweet singer of Israel. Guess what you don't see anywhere for 16 months? Any sweet songs from the sweet singer of Israel. David, who walked with God now has walked away from God. 
David is in enemy territory. You've gotten that by now. And he's involved in some amazing, great compromise. And he's doing all kinds of things. Achish comes to him one day, and we can't read all of these chapters, but you read them when you get home if you haven't already read them. And Achish comes to him one day, and he says, Hey, David, man, where have you, uh, uh, what have you been doing today? Where, where have you made a raid? And David says, against the Negev of Judah. Folks, the Negev of Judah was in the southern part of Judah. David is saying, well, I'm fighting, fighting in that southern part of Judah. He's implying that he's killing the people of, of Judah who were Israelites, and he's deceiving Achish. And, I mean, David's just messed up. But you know what's interesting? Listen, you still with me? You say, you keep asking me that. I know, because I'm hoping you'll still be with me. <laughs> you know what's happening? He goes into these places, he raids these cities, and he's having success. He's successful. D- d- does that shock you? I know a lot of people that have walked away from God that have become successful. In the world's eyes. And you know as well as I do that people, they think success is God's approval. And I want to tell you today, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further than the truth. You let them talk to you and you watch their life and you see the inner workings of their soul and you'll find people that end up in despair. And it doesn't matter what they have or what they drive. All of a sudden, despair comes in. And verse 3, chapter 29, jump over a couple chapters if you will, chapter 29, and read verse 3. Then said the princes... Of the Philistines. Uh oh, now the Philistine people, the rulers of the Philistines, they catch wind and they say, What is this Hebrew doing here? What what is David doing down here in our land? And Achish the king said unto the princes of the Philistines, "Um, Is not this David, the servant of Saul? They were saying, Achish, what are you doing? He's the one who, these days, he's down here, these years, and I have found, Achish says, I don't find any fault in him. Don't find any fault in him, man. He's proven himself to be loyal to me. Man, oh man. And all of a sudden, David's displaced. He's displaced in his life. He's displaced in his location. He's displaced in his role. He's just a displaced man. David ends up losing his identity. He loses his identity. Achish begins to get flack from the people of the Philistines, and they want to know, what's David doing down here? What in the world are you doing befriending this man? Why would he have this whole city of Ziklag? What are you doing? Why are all these men here? What are the Hebrews doing down here? David has killed our champion. And Achish defends David. He says, man, we're buds now. We've been together for quite some time. Everything's okay. David's our guy now. 
He's proven to be really loyal to me. But the people rose up and they said, no, we don't want him down here. We don't trust him. He killed our giant. He killed our champion. He killed Goliath. So Achish now comes on the scene again, and and notice what he does. He confronts David. He has to. The pressure is now on Achish. Chapter 29, verse 6. Then Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight. You've proven yourself to be loyal. I, I stand by you, David. You're my guy. I have not found evil in thee since the day that you came to me here in Gath. Verse 7, but wherefore, you got to go. Return. Go in peace that thou displease not the lords, the rulers of the Philistine people, the people that I serve and I lead. You know what happens to David? He becomes a man without a country. He becomes a guy who just doesn't have a place. Now he doesn't fit in in anywhere. Hey, the carnal Christian, the carnal believer doesn't feel comfortable in the things of God. They're not right with God. They don't feel right with God because they're not right with God. Things aren't right. They come into church. They don't feel right there. They get with God's people and they don't like it with God's people. They don't ever look at God's word because, you know, man, I just, uh, you know, I don't need the conviction. I don't want the conviction. They don't feel comfortable in the things of God. And eventually, I want to tell you something else. They won't feel comfortable in the world either. They'll be like David, a man without a country. All of a sudden, chapter 29, verse 8, we see disillusionment. And David said unto Achish, but what have I done? What hast thou found in thy servant? Can you believe that? There we go again, thy servant. So long as I have been with thee unto this day that I may not go fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king. Why? What's wrong, Achish? Man, I've shown I'm faithful to you, Achish. Have I done anything that has caused you to think I'm disloyal to you? I, I mean, I'm, we go, we fight with you. We fight with you, not against you. As a child of God, when you walk away from the Lord, it may at first feel very freeing because you don't have to fight the battle anymore. Just free. But eventually, dear Christian friend, listen. Eventually, the devil will send you a bill. It'll be delayed, but he, I promise you, will send you a bill. 
Carnality as a child of God always brings about many liabilities. Verse 9, we see that David is now rejected. He's rejected, rejected now by the world, rejected now by Achish, the Philistines. Isn't it amazing that David wasn't godly enough now that he cut it off? He didn't cut it off. 16 months and he hasn't cut it off. So you know what God did? God cut it off. Don't ask me. I don't have the answer for this. Why didn't God cut it off the first 16 days? I don't know. Why didn't God cut it off after two months? I do not know. It went on 16 months. But finally, God cut it off. And now, story is not over. Now David descends into absolute, utter depression. Chapter 29, verse 11, So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. What do you mean to the land of the Philistines? Where they lived, in Ziklag. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. All right, you understand what's happening here? Achish has said, you're no longer, no, you can't go to battle with us. No, my people won't let me befriend you. You know, you've got to go back to Ziklag. And so they rise up and, and, and they get ready and they go back to Ziklag. And depression sets in and here's the scene. Chapter 30, verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives. Whose women? David and the 600 men that were loyal to him. They slew not any either great or small, but they carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, hey, not just their wives, and their sons and their daughters, they're all gone. They're all taken captive now. And David and the people, David and the soldiers, David the mighty, mighty warriors, all of them that were with him, they lifted up their voices. They lifted up their voice and they wept until they had no more power to shed another tear. Wow. Here's the scene. If you didn't already get it. David dejected. David rejected. David with his 600 men, they have to go back, leave. Go back to Ziklag. They're on their journey, long journey. Not that long, but long enough. And they come up over the hill on horseback. And in the distance, they, they see their city. And in, in the distance, they, they see uh, the, uh, the city where he and his, all of his men and families had lived for a, almost a year and a half. And they see the smoke. 
And the entire city is burned to the ground. They get closer to the city. They're panicked. You can imagine. They get up from a gallop to an absolute full-out racing. And they get to the city. And their wives are all gone. Their children are all gone. Their sons, their daughters, all of them are gone. And verse 4 says, David and his men, they wept and they wept until they had no more tears I have a feeling that David not only wept for his wives, for his children, I have a feeling David also wept for the 600 men and their wives and their children. But I have a real idea that David wept bitterly because he knew he was responsible for it all. All of it. David is now as low in his backslidden carnal state. He's as low as a man can possibly get. This is a cry of agony. Agony. Friend, I want to tell you there is nothing worse than agony of the soul. But I want to tell you there is a difference in having the agony of the soul when you're walking with God. An agony of the soul when you've walked away from God. And David is having agony of the soul knowing he's not been walking with God. Everything that David was now leaning on is absolutely gone. David in his heart thought, my friends, my new friends, the Philistines, I have them. They now rejected him. My family, I have them. Gone. All my possessions, gone. All his security is gone. But wait a minute. Hold on. He's still got his 600 loyal soldier friends that would give their lives for him, right? Not anymore. Notice the distrust. Verse 6 of chapter 30, And David was greatly distressed, and the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was so grieved, every man for his own sons and for his daughters. Now, now these loyal guys, all 600 of them, the ones that would lay down their life for David, now they've gone back and they have seen that all their wives are gone, their kids are gone, their sons, their daughters, everything. Their life is now gone. And they decide that maybe it's time to kill David. Kill him. 
Kill him. There's only one thing that remains faithful now to David. There's only one thing. The last phrase in verse 6 says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David, now the depressed, dejected, carnal, backslidden soul. David, who has now hit rock bottom. David, who is now the parallel of the prodigal son in Luke 15, who's wallowing in the hog pen of carnality. But now and only now does he do what he knew, thank God, was the only answer. He encourages himself in the Lord. Friend, I want to tell you, sometimes your pastor can't strengthen you. Sometimes your Christian friends cannot strengthen you. Sometimes God will say to you as his child, you know where my strength is, and God says you come and get it. Come and get it. I am so grateful that God tells us, James, through James, you draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. David had known all of that in the past. And David now knew where it was, even though he had gotten so far away from God. He still knew. And he was smart enough and wise enough to go back and encourage himself in the Lord. How how do we do this? How do I do this? How do you do this? How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Can I give you three ways and I'm just going to list them and we'll be done? Number one, how did David encourage himself in the Lord? Number one, I do truly believe that first of all, he remembered God's love. And that's where you and I had better get to as well. When we get away from God, we better remember God's love. When we are right with God and yet we feel so much in disparity, we better remember God's love. Wherever we are, remember God's love. David could now see God's love. You say, how? Give me a, a reason how he could see now God's love. All right, I'm glad you asked that. David could now see God's love because he realized that the Philistines rejected him and said, go home. We don't want you. You've been here too long. Get No, go home. Say, how is that God's love? 
If he had not gone back to Ziklag, he'd have been out in battle for probably weeks or maybe several months. And where would those wives and children be then? You, you see, because what happened was David and his men, when they got it together and David encouraged himself in the Lord, they went out and they sought the enemy who had taken their wives and their children and they went and they recaptured them and they brought them back. And every one of them, 100%, all of them saved. Not one child was lost. Not one wife was lost. And David saw and realized, if God had not made me get back here to Ziklag, I wouldn't have seen them and they may all be dead. But these 600 warriors with David, they wept. Yeah, they lost it, but they got it together and they went and found every one of them. That's God's love. Number two, not only did he remember God's love, and not only should you and I remember God's love, but number two, remember God's promise of calling. The promise of calling. God had anointed David. Oh, it maybe was 15 years ago. But I have a great sneaking suspicion that David remembered how in the world did I get here? What in the world have I done? Why am I here? God has called me to be the next king. He could now clear his head and remember God's call on his life. Christian, I I I'll tell you something. I'll let you in on a secret. There's times in my life, yeah, I could be the part of the 90% of guys who started in ministry and didn't finish. You want to know what keeps me? God's call. God's call. And sometimes that's the only thing that keeps me. You want to know what should keep you walking with God? God's call. God saved you and God saved me and God saved us to be surrendered warriors in the call and the cause and the battle for Jesus. And we are called to that position. David remembered God's promise of his calling. And number three, remember God's past deliverances. God's past deliverances. I got a feeling David remembered that when he was young, he killed a lion. I got a feeling that David now remembered, man, I killed Goliath. I got a feeling he remembered how God had delivered him from Saul's attacks over and over again. Friend, there are times in our lives where we need to think and look back and remember all of the past deliverances of God. When you get so low that you have to dig out a hole in order to, order to put your chin in it, there are two things that you can do. 
When you get so low, you can, number one, jump off into oblivion. Or you can, number two, cry out to God for strength. And if you're in a backslidden condition, cry out to God for forgiveness. Aren't you glad God is a giver, not a taker? You may be here today and maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ. God will give you salvation if you're lost. Maybe you're here today and you're striving to walk with God, but you have lived the agony of the soul. God will give you strength. Maybe you're here today and you're like David. And you've gotten away from God and you don't even know how you got here. God will give you forgiveness because God is a giver. So maybe it's time for us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Right? a lot of different people that will walk out of here today. Some of you will just keep on going just like David did. You just keep walking in your carnality. You put in your hour. And you'll end up in a place that you never thought you would be. Some of you will say, I don't want that anymore. I got to get right with God. Some of you are just, you've just got trial after trial after trial after trial. You're striving to walk with God. And you just need to pick your head up and say, Lord, I don't know where all this is going, but I'm going to trust you. Some of you are lost. You need to be saved. God is here to say today's a day to come back. 